It's time for episode 422 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Wednesday, October 27th, 2021. Clockwise, four people, four tech topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, the tech podcast that isn't coming to you from the metaverse. I am one of your hosts, Micah Sargent, and I am joined across the internet by my good pal and dungeon buddy. It's Dan the Man Morn. How you doing, Dan? I'm doing well. Micah, if I'm joining you from across the internet, isn't that technically the metaverse? I mean, how does that work? That is we're kinda we're kinda virtual here. Interesting. Well, um, I will chew on that while I introduce another person coming to us from the internet and maybe the metaverse. Eh? I don't know. One of my favorite smart home writers, as well as uh, someone who you may know uh, for covering all things Android. It is Florence Ion. Welcome back to the show, Flo. Hi, Micah. What a nice intro. Thank you. That made me feel really nice. I appreciate oh. that. Well, we, we appreciate you. <laughs> He always puts the bar way too high for the intros. <laughs> to my left this week, another of our favorite podcasters over at Twit, uh, the host of many shows, Tech News Weekly, all about Android this week in tech. Oh, so many shows. It's Jason Howe. Welcome back, Jason. What's happening? And I love that Flo is on as well. It's like all about <laughs> clockwise today. <laughs> Let me kick things off. Uh, may not surprise you. My question is about the metaverse. Um, basically, the metaverse, let's Let's not let's not tie it to Facebook. Let's just think of this world where you can, you know, put on a VR headset or an AR headset and sort of hang out with your pals. I'm just curious, could you see yourself hanging with your friends in a virtual or semi-virtual space regularly? Not just to try it out, but regularly. Flo, we'll start with you. Absolutely. Now, I was not a person that was on Second Life back in the day, but I did play various MMOs. I have done the World of Warcraft for a little bit. I even did Hello Kitty online. Like, I found virtual worlds to hang out with with people. My problem is, though, and perhaps this is more of a personal problem than like a, a public facing situation, is that there's not a lot of people in my life that will come into that universe mm-hmm. with me, mm-hmm. into that metaverse, just to keep on that terminology. And that's where the bummer is for me. I have been hearing a lot more talk around the Oculus Quest and the little app that they have in there where you can like hang out with folks. I still haven't tried it, but it's been interesting to see it just come into the conversation a little more widely to see people that I didn't know were quote unquote extremely online who really just like being in this virtual reality universe. Uh, I just wish that there was an easier way for me to convince like everybody into it. I, I really tried with Animal Crossing when it came out. Um, I think because that game came out at the beginning of the pandemic and so many people were looking for ways to connect. I mean, we were doing Zoom. We were doing video games. The Internet really became a way for us to connect. But beyond text, it gets a little hard because it at one point, People started dropping off their Animal Crossing islands. It was really hard to sync people up to hang out and, you know, get together. So I I just wonder what the barrier of entry is to get more people on board into something like that. Stop trying to trick me into the Matrix flow. It's not going to happen. <laughs> uh, 
I, you know, I, like Flo, I, I've spent a lot of time playing online games, and I would argue, again, as I, I said to Mike at the beginning, like, I spend so much time on podcasts, I feel like I do basically just hang out with my friends in virtual spaces already, sort of. So I, I guess there's not a huge leap there. I think the biggest impediment for a lot of the people I know is the fact that, like, VR is so immersive right, that you can't really multitask as much, right? It's not like you're sitting around in your VR headset, maybe sitting around a virtual table or whatever, and it's like, oh, I'm going to go get a snack. And it's like, well, I, I got to take the whole thing off, right? I can't get up and like walk over to my kitchen and get a snack because I will walk into several things along the way. So uh, the idea of something with a more augmented reality where somebody like you could have like a hologram or a virtual instance of an avatar of somebody hanging out while you're doing other stuff, that kind of intrigues me. I kind of like that idea. But otherwise, I feel like it definitely needs to be, for me and the people I know anyways, I feel like it needs to be centered around some sort of activity, like a game or a movie or something like that. So I think that there is appeal for me for it, but I, I don't know if it would get beyond the sort of um, novelty stage. Jason, what about you? I am very interested in the idea of a metaverse. I don't know w at what point it matches the vision in my head. Like, I think where we're at right now with, you know, the potential of a metaverse requires a lot of cumbersome uh, technology attached with it, right? Like our current VR headsets, like I just had a session this weekend with my kids and just getting the, the quest onto their heads and, and situated properly so we could play rec room all together, you know, it, like it took maybe fit, it always takes takes about 15 minutes for us to finally get in there and be in the same like room and then start going on our adventure. And if that's what it takes to get set up for something like the metaverse, where like when I envision the metaverse, I think of this like easy to use, maybe something kind of like the HTC Vive Flow, even though I don't know if that's necessarily the perfect example of a metaverse device, but something along the lines of like easy, easy to pick up glasses that you just throw on, boom, you're in the experience and you spend, you know, it, it's just an easy lift to, to get right there. And there are the people uh, there as well, because the lift was so easy, like you're, you're not going to have to spend 20 minutes setting things up. I think that's the barrier to entry. And when we get there, absolutely. I'm all for it. I love the idea of, of hanging out in a metaverse with my friends. Let's do it. Yes. I, so I'm with Flo, uh, early on. I do think that the, the biggest struggle for me is getting people to, uh, hop into that space with me because I, a lot of my friends, yeah, I, so my best friends are people that, to this day, I have not had the opportunity to meet in person. And that is something that would be kind of cool if we could meet sort of in person, uh, in the meantime. Uh, so that's why I've, you know, I, it's a shame that a lot of this stuff is tied to Facebook because I think that existing on its own uh, would make it maybe even more universally accepted among the people that I, you know, talk to most regularly. Uh, because I think that the idea has merit. It's just where it's coming from that feels a little... Ugh. So we'll see. We'll see how the metaverse plays out. Um, let us move on to our next topic, which comes from Flo. So I bought a computer. I bought a brand new Dell XPS 15 a couple months ago. Plug it in. Headphone jack doesn't work. I called Dell. They sent out a service technician here a couple times in a row now over the last month and a half to replace the logic board on my computer. He fixed the headphone jack. Now my Bluetooth is broken. I don't know if it's the supply chain that caused all of this, but just in the conversations I've been having, it's been frustrating because I can't get the 
components that I need to make things go a little faster. I'm probably going to have to send in my laptop to fix it. This is after I already paid in a little more money than I should have because I really needed to get something in the midst of all this slowdown. And now I'm reading so many articles just about, you know what, it's not just going to affect our gadgets, it's going to affect our food supply. We already know it's affecting uh, cars. I mean, even the dealership I haven't bought a car from in 15 years reached out and said, can we buy your car? We know it's old, but we'll give you so much money for it because we need used cars. And so I'm curious if anybody here has been affected by any supply chain issues, uh, either having to deal with something because there was nothing available or just like having a backup on something as simple as a bag of flour. Yeah, uh, I have definitely run into some issues. We were um, renovating our new house over the last year. And one of the, you know, we mostly lucked out in terms of appliances. But the one thing that took a while was our stove, because I had picked out like a, a nice new stove and everything. And it ended up taking another month, roughly, from the time we moved in to the time we actually got a stove delivered. So that was a fun month of like using cooking on a hot plate and an instant pot. Um, and it was okay, but it was still very frustrating to be like, we're almost done with this, except we need a stove. Um, other than that, I've been pretty lucky technology-wise. Um, the one thing I did, you mentioned food, and that actually is something that jumped out at me recently. I've gone to the store a couple times in the last two or three weeks, and like I usually buy this one particular brand of yogurt. And like I've walked in the store, and that shelf has just been bare every time I've been in the store in the last two or three weeks. And I'm just constantly feeling like, oh, I'll go in this week. Surely they'll have more this week. Nope, nothing. And then it's starting to expand, right? You can see like, oh, everybody else who buys that brand is like rippling out to all the other brands that are now getting in short supply as well. So for sure, there is a lot of that. It, it feels a little bit like those early days of the pandemic where people were panic buying all sorts of stuff. But now the it's the other end of the equation, I guess. So I, I am intrigued as well to see if this is something that's going to uh, ex- continue expanding. But uh, Jason, you had any experience with this? I mean, when I first um, heard and read this question, I was like, man, nothing comes to mind. Um, but we did just get solar put onto our house like a month or two ago. And there was an unexpected delay on getting some of the components there. So I guess that would I mean, it. I think the challenge for me with this is that it's difficult for me from my perspective to know is this delay or is this increase in price or reduced stock or whatever is it directly related to the supply chain issues that we keep hearing about or is it just a random occurrence you know that just happened to happen mm-hmm. uh to to me that's the only thing that i can really point to outside of just the general fact of kind of similar to what you were saying dan as far as um as far as food is concerned definitely noticed a lot of of changes in the food supply as far as the the amount of money that we're paying for the food that you know just food costs have gone way up and i'm sure that's directly related to something like this and then also yeah the availability of certain things that that we've grown to rely on has been really spotty over the last year uh, in different areas so but again it's really hard for me to know exa- like what is the reason for this uh, behind the scenes i don't know but i know that it impacts me in very indirect ways this one's, uh, for me, uh, a bit of a tough one because I have not made a lot of purchases um, in in a while. I think uh, the last big purchase I would have made would be the iPhone and the Apple Watch. And those I you know, was able to order the night of or the morning of, I guess, and uh, get them on time. 
Um, but I know that family members have had this supply chain issue with uh, vehicles in trying to, you know, move from their older vehicles to newer vehicles and having kind of what you were talking about flow where uh, people were happy to buy their older vehicles, but um, some of the newer sort of pre-owned vehicles were hard to come by and others who, you know, are trying to find parts or pieces for their vehicles and seeing the price uh, being escalated or brought up even more. And then um, one thing that I just recently reported on was for the first time in, I think, the history of the company, uh, Raspberry Pi had to raise the price of their little computer. And that was an unprecedented move that they had to do because of the supply chain and not something that they were keen on doing, but necessary uh, as we all are trying to kind of make it through this. Uh, Flo, why don't you round us out? Well, I to be honest, I'm not in, still entirely sure if the supply chain issue is why my laptop, I had a theory that my laptop was rushed and that's why I'm having all these issues. But I do feel like it's taking a little longer to fix because of all this delay. And I just, uh, I just can't wait for all of this to be over. That's <laughs> really where we're at. Yeah. I agree. Well, um, I hope you can wait for this episode of Clockwise to be over because we do have some more to go. But I want to take a quick break so I can tell you about Pingdom. Uh, they're bringing you this episode of Clockwise. That's Pingdom from SolarWinds. If you have a website, what purpose does it serve? Whether it's driving people to your products, collecting sales leads for your company, or providing customer service with a contact form, when these critical transactions fail, well, you lose out on business, not to mention the bad experience for your users. But there is a solution, transaction monitoring from Pingdom. Starting at just 10 bucks a month, Transaction Monitoring runs checks 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and will alert you when cart checkout forms or login pages fail before they affect your customers and your business. Pingdom will notify you the moment there is a failure over SMS, email, or via your favorite apps like Slack, Ops Genie, and PagerDuty. Depending on what's being monitored or the severity of the outage, you can customize who's alerted and how they get the notification. Don't let your users discover a problem with your website. You should be the first to know, and it's super easy to get started. Just go to pingdom.com slash RelayFM right now for a 30-day free trial with no credit card required. And then when you're ready to buy, just use the code CLOCKWISE at checkout to get a huge 30% off your first invoice. Thanks to Pingdom from SolarWinds for their support of this show and RelayFM. All righty, Dan, we are back from halftime and ready for your topic. All right. So this week saw the debut of Mac OS Monterey. I'm curious if you are a Mac user, what is your favorite new feature of the OS update? And if you're not a Mac user, is there anything that you uh, maybe have heard of or you're casting an envious eye towards and thinking, yeah, that, that's pretty cool. I wish my platform had that. Jason? You know, it's funny. I haven't been for I, I realized with this question how disconnected from new Mac OS updates I've been over the last I don't know how many years. I've really not paid close attention to these new features. And actually, 
I end up not upgrading to the newest version primarily because when I do, it breaks a lot of audio software and music creation software that I've used in the past, namely Pro Tools. Um, so I'm in this habit of always staying behind on my OS updates so that I can keep things uh, compatible. So I actually had to kind of look it up. And if I had to pull anything out of what I was looking at that I would actually use on a regular basis in Monterey, uh, it would probably be the Quick Note uh, function, which is just a little you know area of the screen that you, that always has like a little notepad hidden uh, because I take lots of notes. It's how I keep myself organized and I'm always opening up, you know, a text edit window. And then yeah, I have like 5 million text edit uh, windows nestled away that I never save because they're temporary. But that means I can't shut down my computer because that'll force me to save them. <laughs> so I end up like powering off my computer so that it saves them, you know, and it's there when I reboot up again. I like I like just turn it off at the switch. It's totally backwards. <laughs> Like, I totally shouldn't do that, but it's like my lazy approach, and I think uh, Quick wow. Note might actually be my solution. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> that is amazing. Uh, for me, it's definitely got to be the new Safari. Uh, love the way they've rearranged the tabs. No, I'm kidding. I I know everybody hates that. Um, I am also a fan of Quick Notes. Uh, that it, it's a great way to access notes across all of your different devices. And now that I've got the iPad Mini, the iPad Mini is the perfect little Quick Notes um, interface. And so using that on the Mac, being able to get to those notes and use them in both places is really handy. Um, but in the interest of not copying, uh, the other thing that I really like is. Uh, airplane to the Mac, which I didn't think was going to be something that I would be interested in. But I've got different devices that I can just quickly like airplane music to my Mac from, or I can um, use it to airplay, you know, the screen. And that comes in handy at times. So yeah. Um, Flow, I know you are not so you, you mentioned a Dell <laughs> computer. But uh, yeah, your thoughts on this topic? Well, not to bring it back to my problems, but I'm going to do that anyway and say <laughs> that in all sincerity, the one thing that I kept thinking in the back of my mind going through this whole Dell process is, God, I wish I could take this into like an Apple store equivalent. <laughs> I just want to take this somewhere and just put my head together with somebody else who kind of understands what's going on here. I kind of got that through the Dell technician coming here. Um but yeah, I definitely wish that there was more of an infrastructure for in-person tech help that's not like going to a Best Buy. <laughs> Just you want to go to the manufacturer, you know what I mean? You want to go to them and you want to get help directly from them because they know the product that they gave you. And so Apple definitely has that edge on the on the PC industry, quite frankly. And I'm going to continue to manifest that for myself because... I really could have used a genius bar. I, I really could have. I've been going through this alone, and it's it's been really lonely. It's it's been hard. Oh, I'm very sorry that you've had to go through that. That sounds rough. Sorry to drag you all into this, but you no, know, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> um, all good. All good answers for me. Uh, the one I'm most excited about, although it's the one that's probably buggiest in Monterey, is shortcuts on the Mac um, because the automation stuff in there. I feel like there's the possibility of that opening up so many new capabilities and things that can be done uh it's as i said it's a little buggy right now uh and you're I'm still waiting on a lot of third-party developers to integrate that with their own apps so that'll add a lot more uh but it is the thing that i am most excited about 
Um, so for that, uh, I'll put that as one. And then the second one is um, uh, tab groups uh, on Safari, which I really enjoy uh, being able to sort of open up my tab group for clockwise and have all the tabs I need. And then when I'm done with the show, I put them away, but I know they're always there. They're only a click away if I need to get them back. So all that stuff's pretty great. All right. That is our topic. Let's move along to our final topic, which comes from Jason. Dun, dun, dun. Okay, we all review devices here. We're all device reviewers, at least in parts of our jobs. So I thought uh, we could very briefly, because it, it could be very easy to get into the weeds as far as how we do this, but if you had to briefly summarize kind of your philosophy on reviewing devices or your methodology, either and of those, what would that be? Uh, my biggest thing is, I mean, this is my whole thing in general is leading with empathy. I try to lead with empathy in life. And I uh, try to apply that to reviews that I do as well. Uh, basically, what I mean when I say that is getting out of my own head, getting out of the head of the my, my peers and the folks around me and try to put myself in the shoes of the person that I am attempting to serve, the person who is just trying to learn about this product and get to know this thing and understanding this thing. And I, I always think of, I won't name names, but I always think of the Apple Watch review, the first Apple Watch when it came out, uh, watching this review from a major publication and the whole time the person was complaining about getting uh, 15, 30, 45 notifications on their uh, device, mostly from Twitter, and me thinking, okay, you, as this person in this role, may get 45 notifications on Twitter in five minutes, but the average person is not going to get that. So focusing the whole review on how you're getting pinged on your wrist over and over and over again is not... I think um, a, a more empathetic look at uh, how this device is going to work or not work for some people. And so, yeah, I just that that's that's my whole philosophy is like try to make sure that you are serving uh, the people who are going to be looking at your review. Flo, what about you? I'm writing for a tech site, so I have to kind of have like a broader sort of audience, but a broader informed audience, I should say. But I still try to write to the friends and family in my life. I look at the way that they use tech, some of the problems they run into. I look at what they're willing to spend money on, and I sort of construct it around that. I think I think an anecdote can go a long way, especially mm -hmm. if you are just kind of – just paying attention to what is going on around you can really help inform a better gadget review. Uh, I think the other thing is to also take into consideration the amount that somebody would be paying for something. A lot of times we're like, yeah, this is this is a great product. Oh, my God. It's got like all the specifications in it. It's eighteen hundred dollars. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Nobody's going to buy that. I mean, somebody will buy that and they'll talk so much about how they could afford to buy it. But there's a lot of people out there who are just fine with a three hundred dollar alternative because that's what is available to them. So just considering people beyond your bubble I think mm -hmm. is yeah mm -hmm. is mm -hmm. a really key metric. Yeah, I think you both have hit the nail on the head here. It's it's walking a fine line. I mean, fundamentally, a review is an opinion, right? Like, yeah. I feel like that's an important thing to always remember. Is just 
this is me. This is how I am viewing this product. This is my opinion on it. And giving somebody the context to say, hey, this is where I'm coming from when I review this product. But also being aware that those other contexts exist, as you both have said, that other people don't necessarily have the same issue. It's the same thing, you know, Mikey, you kind of touched on this a little bit, but like getting hung up on one thing that doesn't work well for you uh, is tough, right? Because if you feel like I'm going to ding this product down to one star because it doesn't have this one feature that I really need, it's like, well, but that's not like a great example of what other people might want out of this thing, right? Other people, that might not be important to them. So you can't really across the board say this thing is terrible because it doesn't do one thing you want it to do. You need to kind of be able to figure out, well, I put myself in other people's shoes and think, well, this feature, maybe not everybody needs it. So some people might be you know, upset about that, but other people will be just fine with it. Flo, I think your point about the cost is a, is a great one. Like that is definitely something to factor in because people think about like uh, an eighteen hundred dollar device very differently than they think about a two or three hundred dollar device. So all that stuff, I think, is great. But walking that line between saying like, "Look, I'm going to give you my opinion," but realize that my opinion is not the law. It is not the one way that this thing can can be viewed. There are multiple uh, opinions out there. This just happens to be mine. Jason, might wrap us up here. Yeah, it's I mean, it sounds like we're all on a very similar page. Like I know for for me, when I'm reviewing a device, the first thing that that the first and most important thing in that moment is how do I feel when I'm using this device? Do I encounter things while I'm using this device that pull me out of, you know, my initial, let's say, excitement for the device. And I mean, I've got so many phones at this point, they all kind of blend together. But, but at the end of the day, after, you know, using all of these phones, I have a, a general sense of the feeling that I get when I'm using a device. And, and I know that something special, like particularly with a phone, let's say, it's a, it's a special phone. If I get to the end of my review time and I'm not in any hurry to get back to my, my normal device. And I feel like, from my perspective, it's, it is a balance, right? It's, it's a balance in understanding, okay, that's, that's something that, that speaks to me. And if I have people who appreciate me for my reviews, they're going to appreciate my opinions and my experience about this. And that's, you know, part of the reason that they follow my reviews, but that isn't the entirety of the entire, of, of the whole process. There are a lot of other people out there who do not have the life that I have or do not share the priorities that I have with these devices. And so pulling, you know, and that, that's a constant kind of, a, you know, thing that I had to pay attention to is pulling myself out of that very self-centric view of my experience with the device. And like, like you've all said, understanding what others, you know, might encounter that might be different from my experience and making sure that I'm not <laughs> being too critical on the device when it does or doesn't do something that's personal to me. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick break before we come back with more Clockwise, because I want to tell you about Tech Talk, a podcast from the folks at Hewlett Packard Enterprise. Look, it's a lot of fun to find a new show to listen to. You know, you're you're going through the motions listening to your regular shows on your commute or in between things at work. And sometimes you just want something new to check out. So might as well check out Tech Talk. It's the show that talks through HPE news, tech insights, and world-class innovations. You might be going, okay, it's just about HPE, but there are some really fascinating topics. In fact, I recently listened to an episode uh, entitled, Does Cybersecurity Help You Take Risks? It Should. Ooh, what does that mean? Well, this episode was talking about how 
there's a balance between these two things. Yes, we have to have cybersecurity in place, but we also need to innovate. We need to create new concepts, come up with new ideas, and cybersecurity should not get in the way of you being able to do that. You should be able to do both, and that's exactly what they talk about on the show, finding that balance. Very interesting topic. If you'd like to listen to, you can expect episodes like how cloud data experiences are changing, supercomputing aboard the International Space Station, and how Walt Disney Studios is experimenting with AI and machine learning to help creatives within the filmmaking process. And the show takes you straight to the source, interviewing some seriously impressive tech leaders. Previous guests have included Dr. Michael Roberts from the ISS US National Lab, Sanjeev Katwa, the CTO of Tottenham Hotspur FC, and Emily Christensen, a master candidate in applied data science at USC. You can listen to brand new episodes of HPE's Tech Talk on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or, well, wherever you get your podcasts. So search for Tech Talk now, or click the link in the show notes. Our thanks to HPE Tech Talk for their support of this show and Relay FM. All right, my bonus topic for you. Do you like scary movies? Flo? I close my eyes that I know what you did last summer, so no. <laughs> <laughs> um, I like eerie movies, but ones with like actual scares in them. No, not not my thing. Uh, I love scary movies. I've been a horror movie fan since I was a kid. Yes, I've started watching you know, <laughs> you know rated movies that were far too old for me at a very young age. I, I love scary movies, and I'm I'm all about them. I can watch most scary movies because I just they don't do anything for me they just are kind of lucky uh, they, they don't really <laughs> yeah they don't scare me uh but there are a few um that that exist that are kind of outside of my my interest um because of my upbringing i still am very unsettled by movies involving demons it did that that i can't i still can't do 100, so thousand percent yeah yeah i stay away from those but any other scary movie i'm like yeah let's watch it so i can laugh at everything that's hokey about this film in my head i don't i don't try to ruin the experience for other people but uh yeah thank you all for your answers on that bonus topic we'll all avoid the demons today as we move into the rest of our day um all that's left is to thank our awesome guests Flo ion always a pleasure to get to chat with you thank you so much i love you all all hearts here (laughs) (laughs) and jason howell thank you so much for being here thank you it's always a blast good to talk with y'all and michael will be back next week but until then we remind everyone listening out there watch what you say and keep watching the clock bye everybody